All right, all right, all right. If you can make your way back to your seat, that would be fantastic. Oh my goodness gracious. All right. I am so glad that you are here today, that you've chosen to join us. And uh, we're going to have a good morning this morning. Uh, so I have actually been to Egypt five different times. I've been to Egypt five times. I love the country of Egypt. In fact, my most recent time was a few months ago in, uh, in December and January. I went with this crew right here, and we're serving at a church in what is Upper Egypt, which is actually Southern Egypt, because the River Nile flows from south to north, and so they call the southern part Upper kind of weird for us, but uh, but we had an amazing time while we were there. And, and one of the things when I go to Egypt five times, the five times I've been there, every time I go, I am reminded what the dominant religion of Egypt is. They give you visual as well as auditory reminders of what the dominant religion in Egypt is. In fact, what you're looking at on the screen right now is called a minaret. And at the top of that minaret are speakers. And five times a day, the imam or the pastor of the Muslim faith, the imam will call the people to prayer five times a day. Two of those times are typically at ungodly hours, late at night, super early in the morning, and their speaker system is not great, okay? For those of you who remember, who are old like me, do you remember Craco? Craco, like stereos and speakers, they sounded like, seriously, you put like a radio inside of a tin can and turned it up as loud as you could. That's what their speakers are like. Five times a day, you hear them. And the thing is that these minarets are all over the place because there's mosques all over the place. Sean and I lived in Holland, Michigan, okay, the bastion of the Reformed and Christian Reformed churches. We lived there for 18 years. I swear to you, when we moved there, there was a church on every single corner. That's what it's like in Egypt. There are mosques all over the place. There are these minarets, and many of them are, are decorated beautifully and lit up beautifully. And you can stand in one place, and you may hear three, four, five different imams blaring out over the speaker system, calling the people to pray. And here's the interesting thing about this, okay? When, when I've been in Egypt, every single time I go, I instantly hear the imams. And, and for those who have gone with me, for two or three days, you hear them. You know, five o'clock in the morning is, and they're yelling, right? I mean, it's crazy. I'm not mocking. That's just what it is. And you'll hear three or four or five of them, five o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock at night. But the really weird thing about it is this. That after about two or three days, you stop hearing them. 
It's the craziest thing. And it's not because the imams have stopped calling the people to prayer. It's because our brain has an amazing trick that is able to play on us that we just quit hearing what we don't want to hear. The imams haven't stopped. They're still calling to prayer. I just don't hear them anymore. For those of you who have been married for any amount of time, can I get an amen, ladies? Whoa, he's up on that, okay? For those of us who are parents, right? We know that at some point, our voice loses its effectiveness to our children. It's not that they can't hear us, it's that they stop listening. Amen. <laughs> and the truth is that we know and we understand that there is a big difference between hearing and listening. Am I right? There's a big difference between hearing and listening. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks as we start this new series that we are jumping into. I'm super excited. I've been looking forward. We've been planning this series for months, getting just like knew we were going to be, and I'm so excited it's here. Would you join me in prayer? Father, over the next few minutes, as we, as we jump into this new series, would you please speak to our hearts and our minds and most importantly into our souls so that we can know you better. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for thousands of years, there is a single prayer that the Jews would pray to start their day and to end their day. It's an extremely important prayer for them. They pray it twice a day. In fact, Jews to this day still pray the prayer that we are going to talk about. It's a rather lengthy prayer, and it's found in three different sections of Scripture. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 through 21, Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through 41, and Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And this prayer is fundamental. This prayer is foundational. Not just not just to the Jewish religion, not just to Judaism, but it is foundational to who the Jews are as a people and as a person. So what is this prayer? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 gives the summation of this prayer. And if you were to hear it in Hebrew... It would go something like this. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. 
Vehafta et Adonai Elowecha, Bechol Levavka, Uvakol Nafshika, Uvakol Meodecha, Vehafta Lereaka Kamoka, Amin. How many of you understood that? Raise your hand. Okay. If you were to translate it in English, it would go like this Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Foundational. Would you stand up with me? Would you stand up with me, please? And we are going to read this prayer together. Read with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. You may be seated. That's it. That is the prayer that every single Jew would pray. And it is the foundation for this brand new series here, O Israel, that we are going to be talking about and studying and focusing on over the next few weeks. This prayer is called the Shema, okay? In fact, I, I, I've been doing some studying and preparation, obviously, for this series and for this message. And one of the most helpful resources has come from a website called The Bible Project, okay? And, and some of what I'm going to be sharing with you today comes directly from the Bible Project. I'd encourage you to go check it out. It is an incredible resource, not just for this uh, about the Shema, okay, but they've got some great stuff there for teaching and learning. Highly encourage you to go check it out, okay? Let me back up for just a second. Okay, now here's the thing. The word Shema means to hear or to listen. And the prayer is called the Shema because it's based on the first word in that prayer. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel. Shema. The Shema, it's interesting when you look at the Hebrew word Shema because it doesn't just mean hear or listen. In fact, if you've been at Lighthouse for any amount of time, you, you know that the Hebrew language is really kind of a small language. There are less than 8,000 words in the Hebrew language, which means, as Lois Tverberg has said, that every single Hebrew word is like an overstuffed suitcase with meaning. Okay? So Shema means not only hear or listen, but it can also mean pay attention or focus or respond, okay? And the word Shema is found throughout the Older Testament, or as we call it, the Old Testament, or as Jesus would have called it, the Hebrew Scriptures, okay? In fact, we can read... Uh, in Proverbs chapter 20, let me see if I can get there. Proverbs 20, verse 12, it says, Ears that shema, or what? 
ears that what? Hear. Ears that shma and eyes that see. The Lord has made them both. Okay? We also uh, read about Leah. Leah, who was the unloved wife of Jacob. And she had a son by the name of Simon or Shimon in Hebrew, which means the Lord has Shema that I am unloved. The Lord has heard that I am unloved. How would you like to have that name as a child? There's other places in Scripture where we read it, okay? Uh, in the book of Psalms, we read many cries in the book of Psalms that start with the word Shema, okay? Uh, which is a plea of cry to God. In Psalm 27, verse 7, it says, Shema, my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer. Here, Shema is not only pleading for God to hear, but Shema is a plead for God to act. Act on my behalf, which is going to play into this next part that we talk about. Because Shema is not just a Jewish thing calling out to God. The Jews are not the only ones who are saying, God, listen to me. But God, in fact, commands the Jews to Shema him. To listen to him. When the Jews left Egypt and they arrived at Mount Sinai, God himself said this, and now, if you will diligently shema to me and keep my covenant, then you will be my special possession out of all the nations, for all the earth is mine. Now, there's an interesting thought here. A couple of interesting things, things that I found interesting. You might not, but I hope you do. When God says, if you will diligently shma to me, he uses the word shma twice. I didn't have it reflected in here like this, but in the scriptures, he uses the word shma twice to emphasize what he is saying. It's as if God is saying, if you will listen, listen to me. Shema, shema me. Pay attention. Focus on what I'm saying. And the second thing that is interesting here is that God correlates listening to action. He correlates listening to obedience. In fact, in Hebrew, there is no word for obedience. There is no word for obedience. For example, if, if, if a person was to say, I hear what you have said, and I will now move out to do what you have asked, or I will now uh, move forward to do and accomplish your wishes, that person would simply use the word shema. Listening and action. Listening and obedience. For God are two sides of the same coin. You act and you obey. Shema, shema. Okay? 
listen, focus, pay attention. And when you listen, act. When you listen, act. That is why in Hebrew history, it's interesting, that when the Jews were breaking their covenantal promises to God, the prophets would look at the Israelites and say, they have ears, but they are not listening. They have ears, but they are not listening. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Raise them high, raise them high, raise them high if you're a parent. How many of you have children that have ears, but do not listen? <laughs> wow, a lot of really high hands, okay? We, we kind of know what that's like, right? You have ears, but you're not listening. For, for those of you who are teachers in here, and we've got a number of teachers, elementary, high school, middle school, uh, university, okay? You have students who have ears to hear, but they do not listen to what is being taught. And the Israelites could hear perfectly well. They just weren't listening to God. Otherwise, they would take action on what they heard. And here's the thing. Here's, an, here's a thought. Listening and doing does not take place out of duty for the Israelites. The Israelites are not obedient to God because they're trying to curry some kind of favor with him. See, the Israelites already have God's favor. We just read it, right? God said, if you shema my commands, if you listen to my commands, you will be my people. And God will pour out his... They don't have to curry favor with God because they already have God's favor. And so their obedience to God is not out of duty, but out of love for the one who favors them and loves them and protects them and provides for them and saves them. It's out of love. That's why they obey. They already have God's favor and act in obedience to the covenant because of love. In fact, Tim Mackey wrote this. He said, this is why the words listen and love are so tightly connected and repeated throughout these opening speeches in Deuteronomy, which is where we find the significant parts of the Shema come from. Listen and love are connected. I can guarantee you right now that my wife, Sean, would agree with that. In fact, I would think that most of us probably would agree with that, right? That if a person truly loves you, they're going to listen to you, right? Not just hear you, but listen to what you have to say. Because listen and love are tightly connected. So let's, let's bring this home for us, shall we? Let, let's bring it, bring it to a closure here. I was thinking through this, all right? 
what do we know about listening? Not hearing, okay, because we hear a lot of different things, but listening, and especially listening in love. What, what do we know about listening? We know several things, about five things. First of all, we know that listening takes work. Am I right? Listening takes work, okay? I'm gonna tell you right now, for those of you who are like me, and I'm pretty sure I'm borderline ADHD, Sean jokingly says quite often, okay, that, that I am easily distracted by bright, shiny objects. It is work for me to listen. It's work. It's almost like when you're a parent, you're, you, you know, you grab your kid by the face and you go, look at me, look at me, listen, listen to me. Our daughter, I wish you're all in the round. I can't, this will be hard to do. But, but my daughter, Alex, she, when she was a little girl, when she was like two years old, we, we'd be like disciplining her, talking to her and go, Alex. And she'd be like, and she'd look at us for like a second and be like, Alex, I want to talk to you about, um, and she just starts looking around. And we'd be like, Alex, look at me. And she'd look for a split second. And then she'd go. I don't know where she got it from, you know? I love that girl so much, but it's almost like we had to grab her face and hold it. You ever, did you ever have to do that? As a parent or grandparent, you grab their face and it doesn't matter because then their eyes just start moving, right? I don't know how to do that except for pull, you know, Larry, Moe, and Curly. Bing, look at me. All right. All right. Listening takes a lot of work. Listening takes a lot of time. And I've said this before, and I will continue to say it, that the single greatest and most priceless resource that you have is time. And the greatest gift that you can give to the person or people that you love is your time. When you give time to the people you love, they know you love them. And that's a hard thing, time, in the world that we live in today, to give one person a lot of time. Because there's so many other people and other projects and other hobbies and other things that are vying for our time. The greatest way that we say I love you to a person is not by giving gifts. In love languages, that's second for me, okay? I love getting gifts. The greatest way that we show our love is not through gifts, not necessarily through words of affirmation, not necessarily, it's through time. And so we know that listening takes work. We know that listening takes time. Listening takes intentionality. Intentionality. We have to be focused in order to listen. We have to sit down. We have to stand face to face, eye to eye. That's a hard thing for me in a group of people. Whether it's in this situation 
or if I'm out to lunch with somebody because my eyes wander when people walk by or a person walks in or whatever. My eyes tend intentionally paying attention. Work, time, intentionality. We know that listening reflects the importance of that person to you. Catch that. Listening reflects the importance of that person to you. Not just hearing them, but listening to what they have to say. And in our most important relationships, listening is a response of love. So here's a question for you. I hear a lot of things. I hear a lot of things. But who am I listening to? I hear a lot of things. But who am I listening to? Who are you listening to? Here's a question that maybe will help out. This is kind of a cool question. Okay, you ready for this? Not just who are you listening to, but who are you tuning out? I know for a number of you, it's me right now, okay? But not just who are you listening to, but who are you tuning out and I don't think it's a stretch to say that there are probably some people who I'm tuning out that I should be listening to let me say that again I don't think it's a stretch to say that there are probably some people that I'm tuning out that I should be listening to Remembering that time, that, that listening takes time and work and intentionality and it's a sign of love and it reflects the importance of that person to me. And on the flip side of that, I would say that there are probably people that I'm listening to, and for some of us this is going to hit kind of close to home. There are some people that I'm listening to that I should be tuning out. Think about that for a moment. Last two weeks ago, I shared with you when we talked about being God being the center. If you were here, you remember that? We talked about how the camp of Israel, when they were going through the desert, that the tabernacle was always in the middle and that the children of Israel camped around the tabernacle, that God was the center. And I told you that morning that God had convicted me that God was not the center, that there was something that had taken the center away from him. And for me, I've shared with you before that one of my few vices, I know it's going to sound really dumb, and for some of you who go, that's really dumb, you have the same vice, okay? But for me, it's politics, I can listen to it, I can watch it, I can, and, 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 and I begin to be consumed. Sadly, it becomes an idol in my life, not on purpose, 
Not that I kneel before an altar of Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. Not that I kneel before that altar, but with my time and with my attention and with the things that I spend my time talking about, it comes before God. And that, my friends, is an idol. Or worse, a God. And God convicted me that morning. Doug, I'm not in the center right now. And guess what? I had been listening to people who I should have been tuning out. Because they weren't... (laughs) This is kind of funny. They weren't necessarily speaking the truth. And they certainly weren't encouraging me in my walk with God. And they certainly weren't encouraging me in how I love you and treat you. In fact, Sean will tell you, there's a lot of times she can tell if I start to pay attention to politics too much because I become an angry person. I know, I know. Some of you are going, Doug, you get angry? No, you are a saint. It's Jesus and Doug. Right? Okay, I understand. Why are you laughing? No. No, why? I become an angry person. I become less Christ-like by listening to the people that I should ignore. So who is it for you? You can laugh at me. You can mock me about politics. I can't believe. But how about you? Who are the people that you're listening to that maybe you should be ignoring? And who are the people that you are ignoring that you should be listening to? And sadly, and and that's true, you don't even have to be a Jesus follower to answer that question, right? I mean, that's a good question. Those are good questions to ask ourselves whether you follow Jesus or not. Who am I listening to and who should I be ignoring? Okay, but for those of us who are Jesus followers, if we're really, truly honest Do we listen to God or do we ignore him? Because listening to God takes time. It takes work. It takes intentionality. And all of those things are so hard to do in the culture we live in today. And unfortunately, many of us, many of us say, I don't hear God. I don't hear God. I don't hear from God. I ask God which way to go, but I don't hear anything from him. And unfortunately, that's because a lot of us, and I've been as guilty of this as anyone else, that we go before God and we plead, Heavenly Father, please, please tell me what I need to do. Lead me, show me, guide me, God. That I will do what you called me to do, that I will follow you closely lord please make it happen in 10 seconds from now i will listen gotta go it takes work it takes time it takes intentionality hear O israel hear listen And then take action. My friends, 
Are you listening to God? Are you being intentional? Are you making the time? Are you doing the work? And if you're very honest with yourself, most of us are going to say no. Most of us are going to say no. So what are you going to do to remedy the problem? What are you going to do? Will you sit down and say, I don't care what it takes. If I have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, if I have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, means I have to go to bed at 9 o'clock the night before. That's, that's mainly true for me. Between 9 and 10, I, I've got to go to bed so that I can get up early and spend time with God, listening for His voice, making the time to be with Him, unfettered, unfiltered to be with him to listen to God so who are you listening to who are you listening to who should you be tuning out and what actions are you taking as a result of who you are listening to and I guarantee you, if you find yourself brokenhearted over the people who don't know Jesus, if you find yourself looking and yearning to serve other people, to make yourself available to other people, if you find yourself looking to help others and, and wanting to know God better and wanting to connect with others, I would venture to say, that you're probably hearing God's voice. When there comes times that you feel like there's something in you that is calling you to do something that you are incredibly uncomfortable with, you don't want to do, and you want to blame it on dinner last night, but it's been a week now, and you keep hearing this over and over, I would venture to say that you're probably hearing from God. Who are you listening to? So three questions for us as we wrap up this morning. Three questions for you to process, okay, this week, today, together maybe. And maybe it's just asking the question, if you're in a group, if you're with a family, okay, you see the Tetzla family right there with friends and everything, you're sitting down at lunch and you're like, okay, let's go over the questions, right? Or, or the Slater sitting right over here with their grandson and maybe they're sitting at lunch together today or this week, right? And so as you guys are all sitting, having a great lunch together in your really amazing kitchen, okay? And you want to ask some questions to follow up. Here's three you can ask, okay? The first one is this. What or who are you listening to? I'd take the what off of that and just put who are you listening to? Who is speaking into your life? right now if you're honest if you're honest who is speaking into your life and i know that most of us want to say god is speaking into my life but is he really is he really speaking into your life the second one helps us with that how are you responding to what you hear how are you responding to what you hear what you hear causes you to do certain things. How are you responding? Number three, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? 
And for some of us, we're going, well, I don't feel so good about this message. I didn't like this one as much. There were some funny things I liked, but I don't like being uncomfortable. I want you to make me comfortable, Doug. That's not my role. It's not my job. The only way we get comfortable is when we're in alignment with God. That's when we're comfortable. So if you are not comfortable right now, take it up with God. And if you listen, he'll show you how to get comfortable. Would you stand up with me? And we're going to sing a song called King of My Heart. I love the beginning of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But the Lord is the King of our heart the one we should be listening to. Father, thank you for this time together today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this prayer that is central to the faith. Hear, O lighthouse, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Lighthouse, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And then we will see the world change. We pray these things in your name, Jesus, through your power, Holy Spirit, for your glory, God. Amen.